Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always, our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. So we've been working hard to make sure all 88 Ohio counties are represented in our podcast. We are currently missing five. And recently, fans on our Facebook page have been helping us to find mysteries for each of them. After tonight, we'll only be missing four counties because our listeners came through for us with this tale out of Henry County. Henry County is southwest of Toledo, a flat landscape of cornfields and the meandering Maumee River. About 27,000 people call it home. And a third of them live in the city of Napoleon, which is the county seat. This story is perfect because it's three genres in one. It starts with some early American history. Then we get to throw in some buried treasure. And finally, we'll wrap it up with a very unique ghost. It all begins with an officer of the American Revolutionary War. His name was Anthony Wayne. I'll keep this part short. He's not from Ohio, so I'm not going to load you up on his life story, but I'll tell you what you need to know. He was born in Pennsylvania, entered politics as the country began rebelling against the crown, and in 1775, he raised a militia to help America's fight for independence. He rose to the rank of Brigadier General with a personality so fiery and aggressive History would come to call him simply Mad Anthony. He had a largely successful term in the military, then attempted to retire, but his country wasn't done with him yet. President George Washington called him out of civilian life to help with the Northwest Indian War. You see, from 1785 to 1795, Ohio was an extremely violent place. Even though the treaty that ended the revolution gave Britain's lands in the Northwest Territory to the United States, the Indians there thought it wasn't really Britain's place to give that land up. A confederation of Indian tribes objected to America's push west. And to complicate matters, Britain 
They didn't feel like pulling out anyway. Even after the war, they failed to abandon their forts in the region and instead did everything they could to encourage and support Indian raids against white settlers and any military presence. In the midst of this 10-year conflict, when things were going terribly for the U.S., General Matt Anthony Wayne came in with a new force called the Legion of the United States. Among other things, they built several new forts to train military recruits. One of the forts built under General Wayne was Fort Defiance, located in Defiance County. It was from there that Matt Anthony mounted an assault on the Indian Confederacy that would finally end the war. The final duel in 1795 was called the Battle of Fallen Timbers near Toledo. The U.S. had a decisive victory against Chief Little Turtle and Chief Blue Jacket, and General Wayne masterminded the Treaty of Greenville. Now, if you're only going to know about one Indian treaty in Ohio, this is the one. The Treaty of Greenville relocated most tribes to the Sandusky area, gave most of Ohio to the United States, and paved the way for statehood. However, not everyone was on board with this plan. For years, roving bands of Indians continued to harass settlers and army troops wherever they could find them. In the months after the war was done, one of these bands found an army paymaster that was en route to Fort Defiance. He was carrying the payroll for General Wayne's men in the form of gold sheets worth about $40,000. The gold sheets were used for pressing coins. The Indians ambushed the paymaster and stole the gold. You can imagine the motivation. There was no way they were going to let Mad Anthony pay the men who had just evicted them from their lands. Here's where the legend begins. Lore has it that the stolen gold was taken to Henry County, specifically a small Indian village in a place called Shunk. Today, Shunk is really just a dip in the road along Ohio Route 109, five miles east of Napoleon. And there, the Indians guarded their treasure for years. But in time, the world for Ohio's native people changed yet again. That land that the Treaty of Greenville gave the tribes in Northwest Ohio, nearly 50 years later, the U.S. took it back. And in 1843, the last few Wyandots living in the Sandusky area were relocated to Oklahoma. As the story goes, the Indian villagers who had been living in Shunk had seen the writing on the wall before that happened. They decided to leave Ohio for Oklahoma on their own a few years earlier. But they had a big problem. What to do with the remaining gold that they'd stolen from the army? They were afraid to transport it. It might be discovered. They'd not only lose it, but they would have to admit to the story of how they'd gotten it. So they made a plan to bury it. They would either recover it when their nations rose up and took Ohio back from the white man, or they would figure out a way for a future generation to get their hands on it. 
Either way, they would leave one person behind to make sure the treasure was protected. The Indians never returned, but word of the gold got out. The departing tribe had drawn a map of where the treasure was buried, and that map had been seen circulating in Oklahoma. Reportedly, the gold was buried on the inside bend of Turkeyfoot Creek. That's a 15-mile-long tributary of the Maumee River that weaves through Shunk. And with that minuscule detail, for the next 150 years, people went looking for it. But something always stopped them. And here's where our legend becomes a ghost story. For many treasure seekers claim to have seen the area patrolled by a white ghost on a stallion, one willing to charge and trample people who got too close. People began to believe the ghost was the tribe member left behind to guard the loot, that even in death, he remained loyal to his mission. There is an alternative to this story, and that's that a live tribe member was never left behind. But rather, as the Indians prepared to depart Shunk, a shaman called on the warrior spirit to send a spectral horseman to guard their treasure. Now, I've traced three stories to this ghost. The first involves a boy named Thurman Dresbach, the son of a farmer in Shunk. I don't know what year it happened. I did find mentions of a Mrs. Thurman Dresbach in local newspapers as early as 1917. So if this was his wife, then it means this anecdote would probably have happened in the very late 1800s. Anyway, Thurman was an inquisitive youth who loved to go exploring, and one day he went tooling along the banks of Turkeyfoot Creek, poking the mud with an iron rod, hoping to scare some critter out of his hiding spot. Back on the farm, which was nearby, Mrs. Dresbach was hanging laundry when she heard a blood-curdling scream and recognized it as her son. She and neighbors raced through the woods and found him, lying next to the creek, seemingly unwounded, but unconscious. After Thurman came to, he told his parents of seeing a white ghost on a big horse charging straight at him, a sight that frightened him so much he fainted. Now, some years after that, in 1926, there was another story of a nameless stranger who arrived in Napoleon, asked for directions to the creek, then set up camp there. Some local men who were out training their coon dogs came across the stranger as he was digging into the creek bank and asked what he was up to. He would not say. A few days later, townsfolk found the stranger lying on the side of State Route 109, unconscious. They took him into town, put him up at the Wellington Hotel, and he recovered overnight. But he refused to tell anyone what had happened and disappeared the next day. His behavior led many to believe he must have had an encounter with the same ghost that Thurman Dresbach had seen. And then there was this incident. 
I found it in Wendy Coyle's book, Legends and Lost Treasures of Northern Ohio. I was also able to find the original newspaper reports in 1931. In November of that year, a farmer named William Precht was attempting to cross a bridge that spanned Turkeyfoot Creek, but his horses wouldn't cross it. He needed to move a load of sugar beets, so he unhooked the stubborn horses and attached his tractor. But on the embankment at the end of the bridge, he lost control. The tractor pitched him to the ground, then rolled right over him on its way down the hill, killing him. Locals thought it made no sense that a healthy and veteran 56-year-old farmer who had traveled that route many times and on a perfectly fine day with no obstacles in his way would suffer such a tragedy unless something otherworldly intervened. Now, best I can tell from the map, this Precht Bridge crosses North Turkey Foot, and it isn't all that close to Shunk. But, yeah, hey, if you're on a horse, why not patrol the whole length of the creek? So plenty of people have made attempts to find the Turkey Foot treasure. If anyone was successful, they kept it a secret, and the legend lives on. I found modern-day internet forums of people still talking about wanting to go search for it. Just know that if there is a treasure out there, it's likely on private land. And if you go venturing near it, the horse-riding ghost might be the least of your worries. Now, there's a second ghost story out of Henry County involving General Mad Anthony Wayne, so I might as well throw this one in there too, because apparently the general pulled a lot of strings in the afterlife when he died in 1796. Here's the story. Near Napoleon, in the middle of the Maumee River, is Gertie's Island. It was named for Simon Gertie, a notorious trader of the American Revolution who was feared throughout the Ohio frontier. Gertie, you see, had been kidnapped by Seneca Indians as a boy, raised by them, and taught how to fight. Some called him the White Savage and attributed his brutal ways to his wild upbringing. After his release as an adult, he joined the U.S. Army in time for the American Revolution. But after a short time, he deserted, and he began to lead British and Native war parties against frontier settlements throughout the Ohio Valley. One event he was said to have participated in was the torture and burning of Colonel William Crawford. That happened in present-day Wyandotte County. Crawford was tortured for hours. Reportedly, Gertie was among those applying the pain and ignoring his pleas for mercy before they finally ended it by setting him on fire. For many years, Gertie and his brother James lived near Napoleon and operated a trading post on the Maumee River Bank across from the island that bears their name. Both of the Gerties eventually fled and lived out their lives in Canada under the protection of the British. But there are some who say Simon Gertie is still on that island doomed to wander it as a ghost for his penance. Furthermore, 
Locals say there used to be a cannon on the island that belonged to Mad Anthony Wayne. And Wayne compels Gertie's ghost to clean his cannon. Even though there is no cannon there today, Gertie is still there doing his assigned chore. Those who have seen his ghost say he always first appears as a ball of light, like a lantern in someone's hand. Those who stick around long enough will see that light slowly evolve into the notorious traitor, complete with a tomahawk in his belt. Of course, the fastest way to ruin a good story is to check it out. And I found a post on the Henry County Historical Society Facebook page from 2019 calling hogwash on the Gertie ghost. For starters, they say the closest cannon associated with Mad Anthony Wayne would have been in Fort Defiance, some 15 miles away. But true believers aren't hung up on the cannon. They say whatever the reason, Gertie's Island is very much haunted. And to them, Simon is still the most likely resident. That's it for a 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.